بسم اللہ الحمد للہ وسلاۃ وسلام علیہ رسول اللہ علیہ وصحابی اجمائین اما بعد فاؤز باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسر علی عمری واہل القدم السانی قولی السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ مجیر بین سسٹرز اینڈ ویلکم ٹو ندر ایپیسوڈ آف مسلم ان سائڈ ود می راجہ ضیاء الحق ایف یو گائز ریکال یس ڈے وی ٹاک اباؤٹ واٹ آر دی امپلیکیشنز آف ایتھیزم آئی مین امیجن اے ورلڈ دیٹس گاڈ لیس ور پیپل ڈونٹ بلیو ان اللہ سبحان تعالیٰ and so what would happen in a world like that what would ha- happen to uh, the meaning or the purpose of life what would happen to human value uh, and human life having value and what about uh, ethics and morality what would be the basis of of all of that so we talked about that and inshallah in uh, today's episode we're going to talk about some evidences that how can we prove that in fact god almighty exists but before we do that let me take some of your comments um from the comment section we have a comment from brother saif big who said uh, raja bhai assalam alaikum the point that the accident has uh, no purpose and human body our collection of atoms and molecules hit me hard jazakallah khair thank you so much for your comment we have another comment from umar malik and he says assalam alaikum janab i am from india bihar how we know our worship meaning namaz roza and even dua has been accepted by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so my dear brother my advice to you would be that uh, do the best you can in terms of Uh, your ikhlas in terms of your sincerity and uh, do all of your acts of worship according to the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if you do that inshallah there is no doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept those good deeds uh, something else but that we have to be careful of is that we don't do things that nullify our good deeds like for example you know backbiting and uh, you know harming other people in the sense that it destroys our good deeds so stay away from those these so inshallah what we have to do is that try to earn as many good deeds as you possibly can without engaging in a lot of haram actions that nullify some of our good deeds uh we have a message from cute olaf that assalamu alaikum ustad how can can you please tell what to do with study in ramadan when you have exams after ramadan i don't want to waste my ramadan so the thing is that this is a question that's to do with time management uh making sure that you have time for your acts of worship and your zikr your tilawat of quran and in the middle of all of this you can also uh, if you do it smartly i mean if you uh, manage your time effectively you can still achieve a lot and i've uh, counseled a lot of youngsters mashallah who are now going through their o level exams or their a level exams and we've kind of come up with uh, a planner of how to actually manage the month of ramadan and at the same time not compromising on your education as well so if you plan it well you can really do it Uh, we have a comment from Ayman Tanveer that MashaAllah, what a mind-blowing session, sir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower his countless blessings upon you and reward you for this. Jazakallah khair for that. Uh, just a quick question. How many total sessions are going to be presented for this particular project? Well, this particular course is going to go on till the end of Ramadan. So I'm guessing about 29 to 30 episodes, inshaAllah ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the offeek to do that. Uh, we have another comment from Shima Uruj. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, Zahabhai. You said about purpose. our purpose is to please allah then what do we say about the worldly profession example doctor engineer what should they be termed as if not purpose now being a doctor engineer or any other profession is just a means to an end so what you have to do is you do your own swot analysis you basically find out what you're good at i mean there are people who are naturally very soft hearted and they would make very good counselors there are some people who are very uh, mathematical and very logical these people would be very good in the uh, in accounts finance things of that nature uh, some people are very in- inquisitive they're thinking all the time maybe they can become scientists so no matter what your strength is use it to earn a livelihood for yourself no problem with that 
but most importantly use it to please allah subhanahu taala use it for the obedience of allah subhanahu taala and not in disobedience to allah subhanahu taala because whatever you have whatever qualities allah subhanahu taala has given you it they are a gift from allah subhanahu taala and allah will test you on that that how do you use uh, these things that allah gave you okay then we have another comment from azad bhai fan and he says by listening this lecture i strongly felt that i am very much blessed that i was born in muslim family and and we have religion islam thank you zabai jazakallah khair bro asad mela subhanallah bless you alhamdulillah it's uh, a blessing that we were born into a muslim family but at the same time remember that there is great responsibility as well because we cannot make an excuse on the day of judgment that we did not know so other people have to research and study and we too have to research and study because one of the worst punishments the lowest depths of the fire is going to be given to the hypocrites those people who claim to be muslims but but yet they weren't really so uh, apart from the fact that it's a blessing it's also a big responsibility on our shoulders a uh, final comment i'll take from a arsh khan that jazakallah khair uh it wasn't a mere lecture but a booster of iman jazakallah khair for your comment may allah subhanahu taala give you the best reward for your struggles for deen ameen so ameen jazakallah khair for your wonderful comments and there are many 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 others out there i don't have time to go through them but inshallah you get the gist of it so guys inshallah today we're going to talk about uh proofs for allah subhanahu taala there are plenty out there but i'm going to focus on two primarily which are really easy and maybe i'll mention some others uh for your own homework and your research so there's a uh, something called the fitra argument that we will talk about today there's something called design indicates designer argument which we will also inshallah talk about today there's something called the scientific reasoning uh, which is something that i'll leave to your imagination and i'll give you some hints where you can research this further there is also the religious phenomena which can also be done so i've talked i've talked about this in detail in other lectures but inshallah uh, for the purpose of this particular course i don't want to spend too much time on this because uh, the two the first two i talk about which is the fitra argument and the design designer argument are i think more than enough to satisfy most people because they're so out there in your face i mean it's very hard to do deny these evidences for allah subhanahu wa taala now coming to the first one which is fitra argument uh, basically this argument uh suggests that every child is born a believer in allah subhanahu wa taala or has this innate disposition to believe in god almighty every child that's born has an innate disposition to believe in a god so it's not like one of those fairy tales that parents teach their kids that you know believe in the tooth fairy or believe in unicorns or an old lady who lives on the moon no it's not one of those things it's deeply innate and every human being has it and uh, th- there's an article uh, or a research paper rather published by do- dr justin barrett of the university of oxford where he claims that children are born believers in god and do not simply acquire religious beliefs through indoctrination and this was published in the telegraph newspaper as well uh, and it said the title of the news report was children are born believers in god academic claims so this study basically suggests that uh, and he by the way is from the department of anthropology at the university of oxford and he claims that if you were to take random children from around the world and you were to place them on a desert island you know so you have young kids literally young kids like one year old two year old and you leave them on uh, completely isolated islands they would all grow up believing in one god not two or three or four gods but believing in one god similarly there was another uh, uh, research that was published in the independent newspaper that mentioned that there is a god spot in the human brain again very similar findings that there is a particular god spot in the human brain that kind of pushes you to believe in god almighty this by the way is in um, 
correlation with the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said that every child is born upon the fitrah and then his parents uh, make him a Jew, a Christian or a fire worshipper, uh, a Magian for example. And so this is uh, subhanAllah something that we're finding out now that even based upon academic research uh, we come to the same conclusion. Now what I would say is that belief in God is so deeply entrenched into our very beings that it is actually in fact a reflex action. Yes, that's right. Belief in God is a reflex action. Now the question is, what is a reflex action? For example, uh, if I was to say that uh, this laptop, for example, is actually made of fire. Okay, so if Im imagine that this laptop was not really a laptop, it was actually a stove and it was really, really hot. So how long do you think it would take that if I touch it by accident, how long would it take for me to withdraw my hand? I think uh, you would say maybe less than a second. It, it's not even about two seconds or three seconds. If I accidentally touch a hot surface, automatically I will withdraw my hand. So this will happen in a fraction of a second. So this is what we call a reflex action. Sometimes maybe if you have like these um, uh, toys thrown about in your room, maybe small Lego pieces, that some of them are quite sharp and pointy. And if you accidentally step on them, how long before you lift your foot? Uh, that would happen instantaneously. It's not that you could put your complete foot on the thing and you're like, oh my God, now it's really paining me. No, immediately you just lift your foot back up. So this is what we call a reflex action. It happens without really involving the brain. It's just an involuntary, very quick, very sudden knee-jerk response as we call it. So I say belief in God is just like that that you don't even have to think about it, it just happens automatically. And the proof for that is something that uh, I found in, in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa mentioned in Surah Isra about a storm in the sea. So imagine that a person is stuck in the middle of the ocean. You don't know how deep the ocean is. It goes for miles and miles underground. And there's layers of darkness beneath you and there's layers of darkness above you as well because it's in the middle of the night, it's a stormy night, it's uh, completely dark and there's thunderstorms, showers, all of those things and your boat is rocking and you're just thinking that I'm going to die any second now. And so at that particular point in time, when you have no way of escape, you're in the middle of nowhere, facing certain death at any moment, question is, who do you call at that particular point in time? Who do you call upon? And the answer is, I call upon God Almighty. You don't call upon science. You don't call upon your wealth because some people take science as a God. Some people take their wealth as a God. You don't call any of those things. You don't even call a human being or an animal at that point in time. You call upon the one who controls everything, the owner of the heavens and the earth. And this is why they say that there is no atheist on a sinking ship because everybody's running for their lives and screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, everybody's doing that. Similarly, th there's no atheist on an air aircraft that's about to crash. When a plane is going down, everybody is just praying for their lives. But who are they praying to? Who are they praying to? They're praying innately, deep down inside, they know that it's it's God, it's Allah subhanahu wa who is actually calling. I have in front of me a research uh, done by the Institute of Behavioral Sciences at the University of Helsinki. Uh, and the title of the report and the research is that atheists become emotionally aroused when daring God to do terrible things. And they did an experiment whereby they took uh, a group of atheists, a very large group of atheists, 
and a large group of believers. By believers, I mean people who believe in God, meaning there could be Jews, there could be Christians, there could be Muslims. So people who believe in God versus people who are atheists. And so what they did was they just asked them two questions. The first question was that write down the name of somebody who is most beloved to you. So maybe it's your father, your mother, your spouse, your children, anybody who is most beloved to you, even your pet. So people wrote down the name of some, something or someone that was most beloved to them. The second question was more of an experiment rather than a question. So they said, now you have to make dua. Now you have to make a prayer and call upon God and say, Oh God, please destroy this family member of mine with a horrible death. Now, obviously, uh, this is not real. We, you know that this is pretend and we know it's pretend and this is all fake. You know, like how people sometimes uh, say things in movies and they don't necessarily mean those things, right? So if, for example, an actual husband and wife are in a um, drama or a, or a movie or something, and the husband tells the wife that I hate you and just get out of my sight, don't ever come back. He doesn't really mean that. He's just acting, right? So the thing is that these people were also told to act. And they were hooked up with lie detectors and heart monitors and all of that stuff. So now when the believers were tested, when they were told that, you know, say these words, that, you know, first of all, name somebody who is most beloved to you, and then call upon God Almighty and say, oh God, destroy this person with a terrible death. Now when these, and these people knew they were just pretending this was not real, this was just for show, right? But the believers, when they made this dua, when they made this uh, prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their heartbeat fluctuated like crazy, meaning that they were nervous and they were kind of lying to themselves. They, they were, they did not really, they were scared basically. That, you know, what if this comes true? Meaning that their belief in God was validated, that they believe in God so strongly that were kind of unable to make that prayer with a straight face like that, right? So they were very nervous. Naturally so because they believe in God and they know that, you know, what if, what if, I mean, I know I, I'm actually pretending, but what if this is my moment of acceptance? What if this is the moment of the acceptance of my prayer and what if my prayer gets accepted? You know, so they were scared about that. Now, on the other side, you have the atheists, those who don't believe in God. Now, when they were asked to make dua, um, how many people do you think out of the whole group, what percentage uh, had their heartbeat fluctuate when they made this dua? Although these people do not believe in God. So for them, believing in God, believing in a tooth fairy, believing in unicorns is all the same, right? That's what they claim. So how many people do you think their heartbeats fluctuated? The answer, believe it or not, is that all of them, all of the atheist participants had the same reaction as the believers. Now, if you want to do a control experiment and you say to, for example, the believers that make dua to, let's say, unicorns or make dua to Santa Claus, that, oh, Santa Claus, destroy my family member, nothing's going to happen because we all know Santa Claus does not exist. Or if you tell me that, you know, make dua to the old lady on the moon that, you know, uh, destroy my family or my parents, I know this is all uh, a big lie and I will never accept it. So the thing is that from that, from that point of view, people will not have the same reaction when making dua to unicorns and other make-believe mythical creatures, but they have a very strong reaction when it comes to God Almighty. So this research, it said, atheists become emotionally aroused when daring God to do terrible things because deep down inside, you know there is a God out there. Deep down inside, you know that Allah exists. So this 
my dear brothers and sisters, is called the fitra argument, which is basically that belief in God is deeply ingrained in the human being. Now let's come to the second part, which is the design designer argument. Now this argument is fairly simple and very easy to understand. Basically, Plato, Aristotle, they used to say that it's a common sense logical thing that wherever there is a design, there has to be a designer. Wherever there is a design, there has to be a designer. Like for example, if I have a pen in my hand, if this pen has a design, then for sure it has to have a designer. I have a very nice vintage car here in front of me. This car has a design. It has to have a designer. You cannot say this car popped in out of nowhere. If I said that, you would say, we need to send you to the psychiatric ward. We need to admit you into the hospital. That's what you would say. If I told you that this laptop came out of nowhere and nobody designed it, you would think I've lost my mind. But the thing is that what about human beings? Do human beings not have a design? What about animals? What about plants? What about flowers and fruits and vegetables and mountains and all of the wonderful things we see around us, planets and galaxies, entire solar systems? Do they not have a design? As a matter of fact, there was a research paper from Leeds University that said that the universe is built upon principles of mathematics, meaning that the entire universe is designed like better than a clockwork like you know for example it's very complicated to make a a watch or a clock because there's so many different moving parts that go together and all of them are intertwined each one connects with the other so if you remove one little piece out of the equation it's going to uh, stop working the scientists from Leeds university said that the universe is far more complicated than even clocks how things are intertwined interconnected there are so many millions of variables involved in ensuring that life exists on planet Earth. It's like there is design behind all of this. This is not by chance. I mean, the shirt that I'm wearing, it's a plain black t-shirt, right? Plain black. Would you agree that this shirt has a designer? Would you agree that the shirt that I'm wearing has a designer? The answer is yes, of course. Now, answer me this. What is more complicated? the design of my shirt or if you've ever seen a peacock that opens up its feathers is that more complicated i think hands down everybody would agree that when the peacock opens up its entire feathers that's beautiful design and that is far more complicated far more intricate than a plain black t-shirt and then you look at the macaw parrots you look at the variety of fruits you have oranges and apples and cherries and mangoes and so many variety you look at the flowers so we appreciate the dress designer, the fashion designer, when he makes a nice floral print. But we don't appreciate the one who designed the flowers. Not just designed the flowers, but gave them a beautiful smell. We appreciate the fashion designer who made the cheetah print. What about the one who made the cheetah? We appreciate the one who made the tiger stripes print. But what about the one who made the tiger? And not just made the print on the tiger, but made the, ti the tiger a living, breathing animal that has the ability to reproduce and eat and get energy and nourish itself. If I was to come into this room and I saw a very nice pizza lying on the table, maybe I don't know who made this, but I can tell you a lot about the one who made the pizza. Just by looking at the pizza, I can see if it's done right. I mean, if it's got the right ingredients, I would say, you know, somebody was smart enough to add all of these ingredients together. I mean, as opposed to 
if I saw a pizza uh, lying on the table which had yogurt thrown on it and uh, strawberry jam and maybe a bunch of honey, uh, you know, uh, sort of sprayed all over it and it had uh, some jelly beans and uh, it had some uh, some curry from some uh, some other, you know, s like dish, for example, steak or something. The thing is, if I saw something like that, I would say that pizza was maybe made by a child or maybe somebody who was not in his senses. But when I see the right kind of ingredients and when I cut the pizza and when I see the layering, how nicely and neatly it's done, when I taste it and it's like, oh my God, amazing. I realized that this was made by a master chef. I don't know if the one who made it was a man or a woman, but I know that whoever made it could do something, could actually match ingredients very nicely and appropriately, had uh, a lot of skill in terms of making the pizza, was a master chef because the taste is amazing. So even though I don't know who made it, but I can tell you a lot about the one who made it. Similarly, what can you conclude when you look at the universe? When you look at the sun, when you look at the planets that are, that are going around the sun, when you look at our galaxy, and you look at other galaxies that are near our own galaxy. For example, we're living in uh, the Milky Way galaxy. And yet the galaxy next to us is the Andromeda. Milky Way contains about 300 billion odd stars, 300 billion odd stars, many of them far bigger than the sun. And then we have the Andromeda galaxy right next to ours, which contains about 400 billion stars. So I mean, look at the size of the universe. It's, it's just mind blowing. Who creates stuff like that? Who has the power to create something like the sun and stars bigger than the sun? And, all, and so he, so the one who created all of these things has the power to create giant, enormous things and at the same time can create very little, minute things as well. Like going to the subatomic level and see uh, how your own body works. Just look at your own DNA, how complicated that is. Look at your own cell function, how complicated that is. How the trans uh, transfer of information is happening between your brain and other parts of your body. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. So if you watch any like nature documentary, I think, you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, whenever I watch a nature documentary or a documentary about the universe or any of these things, I just keep repeating, subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. I just keep saying that. I mean, it's just something that comes out involuntarily. Just, just involuntarily, I just keep saying, subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Look at that. Look at how amazing that is. You know, so an, any average human being, when he or she sees a design, they appreciate the designer. You know, imagine looking at a Picasso painting. You look at a Picasso painting and you're like, wow, who is the designer of this painting? So a lot of times when you look at something that's beautiful, you automatically, your attention goes towards the one who made it. You go to any fancy restaurant, you get a nice dish to eat. You're like, wow, can I please talk to the chef? Can I please meet the chef? I want to, I want to see, I want to see who made this. This is such a common sense argument. It's called the design designer argument. Very common sense, very basic. Even a small baby can understand this. And babies do understand this. We know that things just don't happen on their own. Like imagine there's a one-year-old child sitting in a room and from the corner of the room, he hears this. He hears a knocking sound. Automatically, his attention goes that way. Why? Why? Because he knows that this sound could not have produced itself. A one-year-old boy 
knows that this sound could not have come about on its own. Wherever there is a design, there has to be a designer. Even this knocking sound, maybe my mom's here, maybe my dad's here, maybe my other siblings are here. Even a one-year-old child knows that wherever there is a design, there has to be a designer, there's going to be a cause and effect relationship. Things just don't happen on their own. There has to be a reason behind it. So this is why when you look at th things around you, you realize that they are from a higher power. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He said that we will show you our signs. Fi afaq, yani in the universe and wafi anfusihim, and even in your own self until you believe that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will show you our signs in the universe, these grand signs, and even within your own self that will lead you to this. I know people who are studying about planets and galaxies, subhanAllah, and they become Muslim just because of that. Because they're like, this could not have come about on its own. I know people who are studying medicine, they're studying human body, and because of that, they come to the conclusion that there has to be a God. And me, I had an IT background. I was uh, doing computing from the University of Portsmouth in the UK. Then I went to Australia to do my master's degree in information technology and management. And we were doing a particular project on on trying to give a robot vision. And just that particular project itself led me to believe and f strengthen my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because uh, out of all of that, you know, hard work and effort that went into making a, a silly little robot that couldn't even do many things, you know, barely move around here and there because we had to give it wheels and all that. And then, you know, hardly having any mobility whatsoever. And then giving it eyes and trying to make it differentiate between an apple, an orange, a tennis ball, a ping pong ball, an egg, and so on. Just trying to make it differentiate between certain spherical objects because then the next step was that it has to reach out and pick one of these and apply a certain amount of force so that when it picks up the egg, it neither drops the egg nor crushes it. When it picks up, for example, a golf ball, it neither picks it up so lightly that it drops out or slips out, nor too hard. So doing all of that took yani, a whole semester of work. And even after the whole semester, you know, four PhD doctors, 20 different students coming together to make a silly little robot that couldn't do many things. And yet, you look at a, a small child that eats and its body gets energy. This robot, we had to charge, charge its batteries every single night, plug it to the socket and all that so that it can, you know, do a bit of work here and there. But a little child, can eat and drink and run and jump and climb and do all of these things simultaneously. So the little robot we made has designers behind it. And the child has no designer behind it. Common sense says that wherever there is a design, there has to be a designer. The universe has a design. Everything in the universe has a design. And so therefore it has to have a designer. Now, who is that designer? We'll talk about that in the next episode, inshallah. Uh, my sincere du'as for all of you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to follow what we study. Inshallah, I will look forward to your questions as well. You can leave them in the comment section. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, do take care of yourselves. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.